Hello, bestie. It's Jean, your bestie on this podcast. Welcome to Cap on Record. Let's grab a good cup of coffee or tea and let's have a heart to heart about your mental health. I want to introduce our bestie for today, and that is drum roll, please, Dachi. Hello. Hi everyone, I'm Dachi. I am currently year three in Dragon, and I'm studying business administration. So I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you so much, Jean and the Yana Cast, for having me here. And I'm really excited today to talk to you guys more about support systems, friendships, and family in, in like living in Cap and maybe on campus or even alone during your university years, especially because I feel like most of us are at that point in time in our life. <laughs> So I want to take a dive into your support systems in your life. Who makes up your support systems? I would say, you know, um, coming to university definitely, you know, friends are a big part of your support system. Um, staying in CAP has especially made that, you know, more prominent. And I think someone once told me this. I, I don't know, maybe the seniors might have known this one person. He's called Donovan. Shout out to Donovan. He was uh, an ex-captain and I would say almost the spirit of Cap in some ways. Donovan mentioned this one thing, you know, in a conversation with quite a few of us, you know, just like in a cozy lounge. He mentioned this one thing. He said that when we realised or when we look back to friendships in secondary school, uh, we, we realised that, you know, these friendships are with people we spend maybe the whole day with, like maybe seven to, seven to eight hours, somewhere there lah at least, but in CAP, you realise that you're spending almost 14, 15 hours with that person. That's almost exactly. like twice the time that you spend with someone, you know, in school. And in school, at least, like, you have that time alone when you go back home and stuff. But here, when you calculate that 15 hours, approximately, times seven times a week, you know, if you don't go back home uh, on the weekends, you realise that the amount of time that you spend with the people around you in these two years in CAP really makes such a big difference. And maybe that's also a reason why you feel that the friendships you form here are so much stronger, so much closer. And just that for the juniors, maybe one, two semesters that you're here and for the seniors, you know, the, the three, four years that you've been here or even longer. I do feel like, because now I'm in year one, sem two, I felt that last semester, it felt like an entire year. Like I had known my friends for one entire year, even though it has been what? How many months? Just three months. Is three? Yeah, three for months. Really? Three only? That's three business months only? <laughs> yeah, but it feels like an entire year. I feel like I have known them for my entire life. Yeah. It's true. It really is. And I think that, you know, when we talk about support systems in in university at least, cat friends are really one of my biggest rocks. Whether it comes to like faculty stuff or anything at all, you know, um, the people around me, my neighbours, my sweet mates, you know, these people are the ones that I turn to immediately when I'm taking a break, when I'm burnt out. I come out of my room and I see anyone whose door is open. They become my support system. They become an avenue for, for myself to like let, let out my feelings and kind of hear from them also. Yeah, so that is like in kept, I would say. Outside of kept, um, probably the really the closest things that I would call a support system would be my family. Lah. And I think that's for most of us as well. Do you think your, how has your relationship changed since you came on campus? It's been three, three years? How it's been three years. So just a background about my family. Uh, we came to Singapore when we were five years old. So my parents never grew up in Singapore. And uh, I do have a brother and he's my twin brother. So we're both the same age. 
given that we are the same age, you know, he does have to go to NS for two years. So I am ahead of him, you know, in terms of university by two years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to that. <laughs> but in terms of that family dynamic, right, you could assume that my parents knew very little about the Singapore education system. Mm. So they were very kiasu in that sense, you know, of like always being on the ball, very involved in my, like, my academic life. Yeah, so since primary school, they've always been super involved in everything that we do you know parent support group for everything you know when they ask for like a parent volunteer to come yes, to the excursion <laughs> my parents are like yes me let's go to the zoo <laughs> let's go to a science museum I'll get to know yeah, yeah I'll get to know all your friends parents you know we're gonna be a fun <laughs> community together they always have this like parent support group mm. all the way and to some, at some point in time you know I felt embarrassed mm. Growing up, you know, there's that, there's, there's that part in your life, or that, there's a stage in your life, you know, where you're just like, oh my god, stop, you're embarrassing me, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, when they 100%. When they're so active, you know, like in getting to know your teachers better, to getting to know your principals better and all that, you're just like, oh my god, it's so try hard, stop it. Yeah, and I think at, the, at some point in time, I felt embarrassed by them. I felt like I wanted to create as much distance, you know, with my parents as much, and it's like, I'm going to be the cool kid, you know, it's like... I'm so suave, you know, like, I don't care about my parents, like, I do what I want. Yeah, so I think there was that one phase in my life where it felt like that. And so, you know, I tried to stay as far away as possible to my parents, you know. I wanted to get closer to my friends. I want to be more relatable to my friends. But at some point in time, I realised that, you know, inherently the way that I was brought up was different. Mm. You know, I'm not given the same amount of freedom as the friends around me and stuff. And so, um... At first, I blame my parents, you know, it's like, it's because of them that I'm so different. Like, it's because of them that I can't really relate to the experiences that my friends had. And so at the start, you know, support system-wise, I would try and rely as little as possible to my parents. Uh. Like, the closer they make steps to get to know better, you know, to get to be more involved in your life, the further you feel like going away from them. But I feel like, you know, when I talk about university now, over these three years, the reason why I chose to stay in CAP, right, is not because I stay very far. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of y'all who live in, <laughs> in the East. <laughs> but Shout out to my Northeast people. That's me, that's me. <laughs> yeah, but like, I'm sorry. It's not, it's not because I stay very far, but it's more so for like to get freedom away from my parents. Uh, like I said, you know, I wanted to be as far away from them as possible. And I was like, I'm staying on campus, not because, you know, like, I really want to, but it's because you guys need to let me go. Like, ah. you guys need to learn to let me go, you know. I was like, I was trying to be the noble person, you know. I was like, this is for you, my parents. Like, I'm the bigger woman here. Yes, like, I am growing up. Yeah, I, mm. wanted, I wanted to, like, give them that message. But over, over, over time, you know, in uni, you know, as I got used to, like, the freedom that I received in year one, you know, I was like, I wouldn't go back home for almost a month or, or weeks in a row, you know, just citing reasons like, I'm busy, you know, I've got a lot of things that I'm working on, there's too many projects. And while it is true to some extent, it was also that newfound freedom that I got that I really wanted to, you know, just maintain that feeling and, and live in the moment of, of that happiness, you know, and excitement that I got, you know, to spend so much time with my friends. And to some point, right, like, my friends did start letting go of me. They, still, yeah. they did start, like, just giving me that space, giving me that freedom, you know. When I said that I wasn't coming back, you know, they will just be like, okay, do your best, work hard, study hard, like, uh, do your best for your exams, you know. It's like, suddenly they're giving me so much, like, like autonomy. autonomy. I was, I wasn't, I, w- I was quite shocked with that, you know. I was like, I couldn't come to terms with that at first. 
And I was just like, oh my god, I'm winning. I'm winning this war with my parents, you know. It's like, I'm getting the freedom that I've always wanted. Like, they're seeing it, they're giving it to me. And I think to some extent, when they started to let go of me more, that's when I started wanting to be closer to them. Yes, exactly. I don't know if it's like a rebellion thing, you know. It's just like, <laughs> oh, because you're coming close to me, like, because you're trying to, like, get to know me more, that I want to push you away. But now that you're letting me go, like, I want to tell you more about what's going on in my life. That did, you know, impact or influence that that dynamic with, between me and my parents. And like, happy to say like my brother, since he was in NS, right? And NS is a new experience for my parents themselves. Yes. They were very um, occupied by him. <laughs> they, would, they would just be like, oh my God, uh, how is it? You know, how is outfield? How is, how are you doing? Are they scolding you a lot? Can you eat enough? And that kind of thing. You know, they'd be so absorbed by him that I would just be a passing thing, you know, <laughs> for the one month that I wasn't at home. <laughs> I would just be a passing, a fleeting thought in their head. Eh, Tachi is coming back. Eh, eh, really ah, is she? (laughs) (laughs) Something exactly, it's really exactly like what you said. Yeah, but um, that was in year one at least lah. I was really happy with the autonomy that I got. And I was like, oh my god, this relationship is getting better. And I'm not sure for, you know, the listeners right now, if you could relate to this, but uh, I was talking to a few of, you know, the other year ones in, in Dragon as well, about how staying on campus has kind of helped this relationship that I had with my parents because on the rare occasions, you know, like, you put aside this freedom and you're just like, okay, I need to do my duty, I need to go back home, you know, I need to, like, show my face for a bit. Like, it felt like that at the start line, year one. But when I did go home for those two days on the weekends, you know, you will want to have happy memories. Mm. I realised that I quarrelled less with my parents, you know. When you stay together with them at home, like, after A-levels and stuff or after exams while waiting for you, you need to start. That... The amount of time that you spend home correlated to the amount of like arguments that you got into like with your parents. Uh, and I realised that to some extent it's also taking them for granted. I'm not too sure about you guys, but my parents, my mom cooks a lot. Yes. Yeah, and and I feel like I take it for granted, you know, like whenever I sleep in or if I wake up at like twelve or something, you know, like I'm hungry, I want something out. It's like, Mommy, why you never cook yet? That kind of thing. So I felt like I was being entitled. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think I relate to that. Um in year one, I year one and one and even now I do feel homesick sometimes. I cannot mm. wait to go back home. Mm. Even though as absurd as it sounds, I go back every single week but I always um miss home. I I do relate on a part of taking them for granted. Like on the weekends I wake up at twelve PM and food is always ready. Um Things are always done. Everything is so comfortable. But once I came to CAP, I realised that, oh, these are the things that I took for granted. Correct, correct. Right? Yes. Um, now I really look forward to like my mom's food. I always tell her, mom, I only come back for one reason and that is because of your food. So shout out to my mom. <laughs> yes. I know you're listening to this. I love you very much and thank you for feeding me. And I also do look forward to driving home with my dad. Last time it used to be, okay, so, okay now we're going home, you know. But now I really enjoy that like time that I have with my parents. I realized that, oh, they are growing old. I'm growing old. And taking these like small opportunities to bond over the weekends. Wow, those are really gems now. It's not to say that I don't like cap life, but it's more of, wow, I have family. 
I family back home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, you know, you guess. I completely understand. I think like thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a sentiment that quite a few of us feel. So like, I think there's two different like routes that you know most captains who come into camp would feel. One is definitely feeling homesick. One is definitely you know my path of like feeling like oh my god I got the freedom now. Yeah, so it's really nice for you to share that perspective, and I think that we can also talk about that later on as well. On more on what Jean has shared, right? Um, the feeling of homesickness struck to me in 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 my year two. Mm. Yeah, and I realized that okay, in year one, uh, we had SUs to use, right? It's yeah. Like, SU mentality. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna go and play games. I'm gonna have that supper. I'm gonna have that mahjong night. You know. You know what? I can just SU my grade mm. if it doesn't go well. Mm. That kind of thing. So you know, while some some captains out there are really like on the ball about their academics and like go you okay go you for those <laughs> captains <laughs> but you know I was not a, I was not that kind of captain I was a year one who was out to have fun yes. and that did affect you know like my decision in joining a lot of activities you know it's like whatever and if anyone's asked me out for anything you know it's either like walking to Shenzhong or like walking to Super Snacks at night like you would never hear no from me mm. like I was a yes woman you know it's yes. like yes I will eat. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes to that. Yes to that. Super snacks. Uh, walk. Yes. Supper walk. Yes. yes. Let's do it. Walking to Shing Shong. Yes. Same. Would, same. Yeah, I would do anything. You know, like as long as someone asks me out, I'll be like, yes. Mm. Yeah. And I realized that while I did enjoy all of that, I was able to do that. You know, like my timetable or like my commitments allowed me to do that because I had put my priorities that way, where my mentality was that I could always SU my grades. And fortunately, you know, I did well enough to not have to, to do that. Like, but uh, even then, I think it was a challenging period of time, you know, when you feel exhausted through all these social interactions, you know. Yes. Like saying yes to everything doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the time that I spend with people around me correlates to the how close I am yeah. to these individuals. Right, right. In year two, I kind of realised that it was hard to say no I realized the difficulty of saying no then in year two. Year two SEM 1 was a difficult SEM, particularly, because my year two SEM 1 was, you know, absorbed by zoning. I'm not too ah, sure. Like, year zoning. ones may not, may have heard of these, like, what is this zoning century? You know, it's like the legend of zoning or something. Then we had kept split up, like, our floors split up based on the faculties that we were in. Yeah, so in zoning, we were quite fortunate, like, Dragon was quite fortunate to have level 8 for themselves. La. Yeah, so everyone on level 8 was from Dragon, in zone C at least. Mm. So we were really close. Zoning was entirely an online semester in NUS. Ah. Everyone was online. All the faculties were online. And oh. so everyone was in their rooms, in CAP, 24-7. Yeah, anything you wanted to do, like, your neighbour is always in, you know. It's, like, it's not that your neighbour is home. Ah. Yeah, so that, that Sam was... A particularly like heavy sem in terms of social interactions. When you come out of your room for a walk, everyone else is there on the floor. Everyone else is in the lounge. You know, the lounge is constantly populated with people. You would never at any point in time see an empty lounge. Wow. Yeah, and social interactions became exceptionally hard for someone who can't say no. Yeah, I felt very overwhelmed with year two academics firstly. The jump is huge, you know. I think maybe you guys will face it soon. And for those who have gone through it, I feel you. Oh dear. <laughs> You're quitting, gonna go through that. in my boots. <laughs> in my Crocs. <laughs> yeah, so 
it is it, it was a particularly difficult sem lah. And I think I started to learn then that saying no for my own good was necessary. Yeah. And at first while well, it felt bad. I I know you guys can also relate to the feeling of FOMO. Mm-hmm. When you always think of like other people outside are having more fun than you, you know. What it's are like, you doing outside my corridor? Yeah. <laughs> you inside your inside your room you can hear stuff, you know. It's like as long as there's people outside in your corridor talking, you're just like, Oh my god, what are they talking about? My door is closed there, like should I, I open? Need, yeah, should I, should I open? Should I close? Like, but I'm very tired. But I also don't want to miss out on my friends. Eh. Like, they bonding. Yeah. Mm. they bonding without me. Eh. Like, I could be there. Mm. I could be in the group. Yeah, so, so like, a lot of those feelings did manifest. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it didn't eat me up inside. To some extent, it did. Lah. Like, I would say, I would always compare myself. I think comparison gave me strength in some way. It wasn't, a, so? good, it wasn't mm. a good kind of strength, you know. Uh, comparison would push me to to really go further. So for instance, like, I would compare myself. I would be like, okay, hey, I know this person, you know, he's doing so well in his, like, cats. He's doing so well in sports. Like, he's present everywhere. But like, yeah, he can manage everything. Eh. Like, yeah. He looks happy. He looks, like, healthy. He looks like he's enjoying life and he's enjoying what he's doing. He's got studying. everything together. He's got everything together. Like, why, why can't I be like that? And that kind of comparison, you know, at the start, it really did drive me. I was like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be that person, you know, I'm going to be the one that everyone wants to be. Mm. Like, I'm going to be the one with like, who can do everything, who can have a lot of friends, you know, who can um, play a lot of sports, who can just be everywhere, you know, like be really good for our cats as well. But I realised that I can't, like each person has their own capabilities, each person has their own capacity, you know, to yeah. withhold mm. that stress, withhold that pressure. And I think, that, you know, it's important for us to have or practice that emotional hygiene with ourselves also. Ooh, emotional hygiene, that's a new word. <laughs> Could you share more about it? What do yeah. you mean by emotional hygiene? I think emotional hygiene is, to me personally, it was to not let myself um, compare myself to others. That was practicing good emotional hygiene for me because I realised that comparison was a bedrock of, you know, everything that I do. You know, from young, me, me and my brother being twins or so, comparison has always been that, that bedrock, that kind of like, was the one that drove me to do more than my brother, to do mm. better than my brother, you know. But I realised that after coming to university and stuff, um, once there was no more basis of comparison, he was in army, there was really no more basis of comparison, you know, it's like I was doing my own thing. Where else do you look for your yeah. next purpose? Correct, correct, yeah. correct. And I realised that I started looking at my friends for comparison. But my friends also are all in different faculties. I can't really compare. There's no common criteria, you know, for mm-hmm. me to compare. Uh, like, some people's faculties may be so much more harder than me. Like, they are struggling. Like, how, how could I feel better? Like, that I'm doing better than them, you know? Because they're just going through a different course, a different rigour. And there was really no, like, no right way to, like, go about this. And since then, you know, I started practicing a bit more of, like, emotional hygiene in that sense that I was telling myself, okay, hey, people have different capacities, people have different capabilities. Uh, How am I looking after myself? Am I giving myself enough time to process what I'm learning? Am I enjoying what I'm learning? Or am I just doing it because of the sake of doing it? Am Am I doing it because of, because of wanting to be better than others? Like, where is my motivation coming from? I was trying to, like, find out a bit more about myself. I love that 
you take a step back and reflect on what what um what you're going through one of the questions that you asked yourself was how do i feel about this situation yeah correct something something like that looking inwards rather than looking at the external factors correct. yeah yeah it was really it's exactly like how you put it i couldn't have put it any better so it was more like instead of looking externally like you said instead of seeing you know what others are doing then taking that you know as a measure of what i should be doing i started looking more into myself you know it's like hey do i find purpose in what i'm doing do i enjoy what i'm doing do i enjoy what i'm learning why do i want to learn it why am i participating in this particular activity what is there for me yeah so i think year 2 was a particularly difficult year not just you know um academically not just commitments wise but also it was a year full of highs and lows okay i'd like to ask like the listeners this question do you remember the highs in your life or do you remember the lows in your life more while you guys can take some time to think about this personally to me i feel like i remember the lowest points in my life more vividly than the highest points in my life this is one question when someone asked me talk about the happiest moment in your life nothing immediately came to my mind hmm really nothing there were so many happy moments in my life and i know that you know one happy moment could be going on a family trip another happy moment could be you know working really hard for something and you know getting that maybe like first place in some competition or anything but when i think about the lows in my life you know when someone asks you what is the lowest point in your life we all have that one or two incidents that immediately come to our head you know and and while year one was full of highs year one was an exciting year you know i was experiencing so many new things year two was a year where i struggled mm. I struggled mentally, I struggled academically, I struggled in terms of friendships as well. You know, a lot of things hit in year 2. Yeah. In year 2, friendships wise, you know, zoning did take away some aspect of that. Your closest friends are in different zones. They're all in different faculties. So they end up being split up, you know, and and you just end up thinking like, "Oh my god, I have to make new friends now. How how am I going to do that?" And you know, while in year 1 it was exciting, that social battery does die. to yes. some extent. Agree, agree. Yeah, and so who who can you rely on now? Like who's the support system now in in this new environment? Uh and the same thing happens in SEM2, you know, when zoning is, you know, abolished and everyone comes back into their houses. These are new faces. Eh? Some of the year ones you have never met in other like faculties, other zones are suddenly now on your floor. They are your neighbors. Like what? I spent, who are you? Yeah, I spent too much of my social energy in SEM1 getting to know people and now I have to do it all over again in SEM2. I couldn't I that was too much for me you know and I think some of you may face this maybe next year you know when the year ones become year twos um you guys may feel very comfortable with your own batch mates while you know it is nice to get to know you know a new batch better you may also feel like okay hey I've had enough of making friendships I want to focus on maintaining my friendships now and that's uh, a big dilemma that I faced in year 3 deciding to stay in camp You know, as year three, I feel like a dinosaur now. RA, baby, <laughs> residential assistant. Yeah, but to some extent, I do feel like a dinosaur, you know. It's like, mm. I understand that, you know, the year ones in this batch now are like my batch mates, you know. They're the same age as me, but I feel so much older having gone through like these two years in university, you know. And and then, you know, it just feels a bit different. Like your batch mates, you know, your other year three batch mates, most of them have left. There's maybe like just 20, 30 of them staying. out of you know what could have been 
200, 300 people. Yeah, so, so in that sense, you know, it is, it does affect you. Your social battery is, is gone. You know the year twos, as, as a year three, you would know the year twos because you spend one year living with them. But the year ones, they come in and you're just like, who are these unfamiliar faces? Mm. I go to the dining hall and I realise that this place used to be full of like familiar faces. Lah. But now it doesn't feel like home. Yeah. Like a place where I call home is filled with unfamiliar faces. Yeah, so at the start, it was, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm alone now. I'm alone. <laughs> but I think it, it, it just taught me a lot more about patience. Yeah, and, you know, going back to what I mentioned about the dilemma between maintaining friendships versus, like, making new friends in year three, I think it was a very strong struggle at the start. For the year ones especially, I think you would have known how the SEM started in your year one, you know. It was like no eating in the lounges, two people limits, you know. Yeah. It was very hard as an RA to enforce that also. Mm. Because for me at least, like, as an RA to the year twos, as a year three RA, to the year twos, I was their friend first before I was an RA. Yes. They knew me as a person. They knew you before as me, Yeah, before my title as an RA, you know, as RA Dutri. Mm. But for the year ones, you know, when, you know, you, you get introduced in FOC and stuff, like, these are your RAs, this is Dachi, this is Zach, this is Chuting, that kind of thing. Yeah, so for myself, you know, the year ones knew me as an RA first, rather than as a friend. And so it does become a bit difficult, you know, to kind of break that ice, to break that barrier. As an RA, they see me as a senior, they see me as someone who they might not be able to approach so easily. It would take a lot more effort on my side to kind of like show them that, hey, I'm just like you, you know, I'm just a I'm just a university student as well. It's just that in this role or in this position, I want to do my best to support you guys, you know, mm. like look out for your well-being and safety. So that was difficult at the start. I was like, oh, I need to put in so much more effort eh, yes. to kind of like get to know them. And, and it, it taught me patience in another way as well. The year twos now, who were year ones before, are the new leaders in, in, in the college. They have their own priorities. They are leaders, you know, in so many different opportunities that CAP has to offer. You know, they could be CAP Slam PDs, they could be IG heads, they could be v- vice directors, they could be directors of their own committees and stuff. And so all of these new responsibilities on their shoulders will take up quite a lot of time on them as well. They won't be around as often as you would have wanted to be, you know, and that feeling of loneliness just exa- exasperates a bit bigger like mm. the feeling just grows as time passes by to some extent it just makes you think like was it a was it a good decision or not to stay in year three yeah yeah you have but, to cope with the loneliness the change in friendship dynamic now there's new people how is it like now time does its thing <laughs> time is magical and i think it just takes time lah. like I, like i said patience or if you could advise any of the captains that want to step up into this role of RA, want to be leaders of their own, what would you say to them? For anyone who is coming into the role of an RA, you have to be prepared to be comfortable with yourself. I think being comfortable with yourself means that you know your reasons why you are staying as an RA. To some of us, you know, we stay as an RA once again for external factors, for the people around us. While that is not... You know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, people stay because of people. People mm. are the ones who make the community, who make the experiences for you, right? I would say that being an RA, you have to know what you want to achieve. 
in that one extra year that you're staying in camp for. Whether it is really, you know, to, to just look out for the well-being and safety of others, whether it is for you to challenge yourself, you know, and contribute in a different capacity. There's different reasons why people want to stay as an RA and I think you have to find your reason for yourself. Lah. It will, to a large extent, be a lonely role. And I feel like loneliness doesn't just come in, you know, this role of an RA. It comes in the role of any student leader, to most, even CSE. Uh, CSE, you know, is behind a lot of the bigger projects, you know, in, in, in the college. And sometimes, you know, we take these events for granted, whether it be like formal dinner or like welcome back dinner, you know, at the start of STEM 2. Welcome back is organized by SAC. Mm. We would think that, oh, it's a, it's a given, you know, it's like, yes. oh, we're going to have a formal dinner, both sims, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have these events, you know, we're going to have Halloween for sure. But there are people who are planning these, you know, and, and the people who are planning these need to get appreciated at times as well. Yeah, so it is always important to kind of like know that as a leader, not everyone will recognize your efforts, but you should find your inner motivations. Exactly. Your was- inner reasons why you are doing it. And I think that it's important to also find the right people to talk to, you know, when you're feeling down, when you feel burnt out, when you feel that lack of motivation. Yeah, and, and that's when, you know, I would like to say that it's okay for you to rely on others. A lot of the times when we come to university, we realise that we want to learn to be more independent. I'm an independent woman. I can do this. Yeah, yeah. correct. Like, you really want to learn to be more independent. You want to be like, okay, I'm not going to rely on anyone. Like, I'm only going to show my happy sides, you know. And that's, that's the thing about camp. You realise that when you mm. stay with a group of people, or when you stay with, with a community around you, it's almost like social media in real life. You know, uh. like your friends are around you. Your friends are seeing you every day, day in, day out, you know, you want to show them that you're happy, you want to show them that you're doing well. But most of the times, like, it's not always going to be, like, butterflies and rainbows. It's not always going to be a beautiful, happy, you know, positive tree. There's going to be downs, you know, there's going to mm. be times where I feel stressed, I feel extremely worried, I feel negative, I feel really pessimistic about, you know, what's going to happen. Pessimistic about my grades, for instance. That's like the biggest thing. It's like, oh, I just cannot get this down, you know, like what's wrong with me? And and I feel like it's okay when you're in cap to let people see that the other side of you. Because, you know, a lot of the times when you're around people, you want to be accepted, you want to be embraced. And sometimes you feel like by sharing these like down moments, people push you away. Like, people be like, I don't need that negative energy. Like, mm. I'm going to take my leave now. And, and you realise that you don't want to be the person that pushes people away from you, you know, like, with that, with that negative energy. But also you realise that the people here in kept are going to be the ones who are going to be your support pillars. Mm. They want to see you through your ups and downs. You know, you're spending hundreds of hours with them. Not just, you know, <laughs> hundreds of hours in a week, maybe, you know, mm. almost. Like, mm. yeah. And, and so... People are bound to see you in your ups and downs. These people want to help you in your ups and downs. And this, I think you just have to be, you just, I just want everyone to know la, that it is okay for you to talk to someone when you're feeling down. Like and your Aries, for example. <laughs> like your Aries, for example, yes. But more so, it is okay to find anyone that you're comfortable with to, to share about how you're feeling. You know, whether it just be, you know, it's like, I'm stressed about this group project. Like, this group, mem- this group member is not replying me, you know. They haven't done their part yet. It's due tomorrow. Like, what can I do? I'm stressing out. 
it's okay to let these feelings out, you know, like you may be angry at them, you know, you may be, you just want to let it out. You're just like, oh, these kind of group mates. It's okay, <laughs> you can do it. Like, and I think that, you know, showing those kind of feelings can also help you be more vulnerable with the people around you. And that's how you can also form these like stronger connections and stronger bonds with people. Definitely, vulnerability connects. I, I do feel that all the times where I put down my happy face and I just tell them, oh, actually, I'm having a shit day. Those are the days and actually the heart-to-hearts that I have and that I remember of that really impact me. Because, you know, we're not all going to have happy days and I urge, um, you know, you who is listening to show your genuine face. You know, you don't always have to put up a front. Um, you don't always have to look happy. You know, it's it's tiring. It's tiring to um, feel positive all the time. Mm. So let it let it out. You know, we want to see. I do think that CAP is a safe space for you to do that at least. So try to be in touch with your feelings. And I'm very sure that your friends and even though and even your acquaintances around you will definitely accept you. And yeah. Wow, I think that that was very beautiful. It just to add on to that as well, you know, it's like in cap, just the sheer amount of time that you spend with those around you, right? People can tell that you're tired before you even know it yourself. Yes, yes, exactly. They can tell, you know, just by looking at your face. It's like, you haven't slept, right? Like, they will point it out. Mm. I'm just like, oh my god, how do you know? Yes, exactly. And then, yeah, and, and they'll just be like, sis, your face tells that you look like you haven't slept in 48 hours. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh! Yeah, so really, I think friendships are born through struggles, through the happies, eh, through the happy times and the sad times. And so don't be afraid. That is really one of the strongest ways to show your support. One of the strongest ways to form these support systems with everyone around. Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to family, for instance, like I said, when, when year two was such a, a difficult semester for me, my parents... Um, said this one thing and I think I shared it with Jean before she's not going to stop just because you tell her to stop what we can do for her is to be the safety net to catch her when she falls and I think that your friends are there for you as well your friends your family whoever you would want to consider as a support system they are always going to be there for you to catch you when you fall you just need to reach out to them and let them know that you're falling Yeah, and that comes with that first step of showing vulnerability and showing them yes. or telling them that I'm not having a good day today. I feel sad. I feel angry. It's to coming It's coming to terms with, you know, how you're feeling, your own emotions. That comes in many ways. Like for me, when I started saying no for the first time, when I started putting myself first, and I was like, okay, no, I cannot join you to like go for a walk. As much as, you know, I want to go for a walk, I have to finish this one assignment tonight or something. And, and after I finished the assignment, I'll be like, oh my god, I said no to them. And like, it would eat me up inside, you know. It's like, I feel upset that I said no to them. Mm. But I also feel thankful that I was able to work on my assignment, you know, have that time to sit, to sit down and work on my assignment. And, you know, these feelings just keep going up and down. And I like to, I like to reflect a lot on, you know, the day's events or the day's activities at the end of the day itself. So while I'm asleep, you know, I like to think of these few things. I like to think about like, okay, what happened today? What was I grateful for today? What do I think could have been done better today? What have I given my best efforts to? Yeah, and what have I not given my best efforts to? And, and so 
thinking about these, you know, at night doesn't just calm me down, but this practice of mindfulness also helps me to be more intentional in my actions the next day. If I felt upset at a certain action or activity that I did to someone, you know, I could have said a joke that later on I felt, okay, maybe this joke like was not that nice or was not that friendly. That night I would think about it and the next day maybe I would like reach out to this person and be like, hey, I know I said this yesterday, I hope you realise that it was, uh, I, di- I didn't mean it that way and I just want you to know that, that kind of thing. And I think just being more intentional in your own actions the next day, if you felt that, okay, today I realised that I stay in my room a lot and staying in my room, I was able to do a lot of things, but it didn't make me feel happy. Mm. I didn't feel fulfilled. So the next day I can be a bit more intentional in keeping my door open. Yeah, and by keeping my door open, it's almost like, it's almost illegal, you know, for you to walk by someone's <laughs> door that's open and not say anything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, in that in that sense, you know, just like taking that one step to keep my door open helped me to have that social interaction while I'm still able to focus on my work. So it gave me more happiness than I had the, the day that I kept my doors closed. It's just trying to improve and be a better version of myself every, the next day, lah, every day. I think practicing mindfulness is also something that I close, I hold um, close to my heart. Um, I do try to also practice gratitude as well as um, reflect on my day's work and what could I have done better. And I think something that always keeps me going is that, you know, you can try again tomorrow, you know. Um, doesn't Today doesn't have to be perfect. You didn't you know we are human we make mistakes and um sometimes we do something good other times we do something bad but actually it's okay as long as you are trying to be the best version of yourself um every single day i think i'm very inspired by dachi right now (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to be writing down in my journal all these questions no no i i just i just feel like self-reflection it's made me grow a lot Self-reflection helps you to consider from other people's perspective, helps you to consider from your own perspective. And it just really just pushes you to be a better version of yourself. On the note of self-reflection, it's more of being mindful. Being mindful and intentional in, in what you do and what you set up, like what you put your mind to doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that could be very small steps in saying no, for instance, or keeping your door open like maybe asking someone new on your floor for for a meal together to get to know them better yes yeah so these are all just like small actions of mindfulness that that can help you grow as an individual i love it i absolutely (laughs) love it this is these are some things that i try to do myself as well and i know that a lot of my friends are doing it and um if you are putting baby steps you know baby steps every single day to reach out to that person or reach out to yourself you know i think it's it's amazing keep doing what you're doing i okay i don't know how to describe this but i feel very inspired by dachi right now she's she was it was such an amazing conversation with her i i learned a lot and something that that has been on my mind as i'm talking to her is um i'm in my 20s i should take this time to get to do get to know myself more yeah, this this is the this is my short TLDR that I learned from talking to you. <laughs> okay, before we end off this podcast, I'm going to play this game called 
we are not really strangers mm-hmm, with you. So I'm going to have you pick a number from 1 to 10. What is your favorite number for today? 9. 9. The question is, what is something you wish somebody could tell you right now? Or perhaps, what is something um, you wish you could hear right now? Yeah, I think that the phrase that I would like to hear right now is that you're happier now. And I think that that is a very powerful phrase in its own way, even though, you know, it's, it's such a simple phrase, you know, it's just like, what does it mean, you know, you're happier? But I think it encapsulates how far I've come, you know, in, in this journey of being comfortable with myself. There's going to be times where I'm, hap- I'm unhappy with myself, you know, times where I'm just like, why do you do that? Why do you say that, Achi? It's like, you could have done something else, you know, you could have, you could have been better. And I think, you know, it comes in different ways. Happier in the sense that I'm enjoying the moment more every day in my life. I'm enjoying my friendships. I'm finding meaning and purpose, you know, in in what I'm doing today. I'm finding joy in the small things, you know, that, that just makes me happier. I've become a more loving person that makes me happier. And so... I think that, that, that small phrase really just encapsulates what I would like people to say when they see me, you know, after not seeing me in a very long time or something. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest praise. <laughs> I think today we talked about fr- uh, friendships, um, putting yourself first um, with family, trying to reconnect or connect back with your parents, as well as practicing mindfulness when we are interacting with other people as well as you know interacting with yourself you know how can i be a better version of myself today i think those are my biggest takeaways from this episode do you have any last words to your friend that is listening in right now i think to anyone listening in right now um support systems can happen or can be formed in the most uncanny ways Uh, my closest friends in cap or even outside of CAP, were formed by accidents, you know. They were formed by just the close, the, sh- the sheer proximity of like being table mates, you know. And through that, you've just formed a friendship that you never knew would last for so many years. It could just be one silly adventure, one random moment like going to eat pandan ice cream at McDonald's <laughs> or something. You know, it's just those, those random moments and experiences that will bring you closer to the people around you. And I would encourage everyone to step out of your comfort zones, but within your own limits. And I think that that's the, that's the biggest way to challenge yourself in CAT. Step out of your own comfort zone, but within your own limits. I love it. I love it. So to my friend that is listening to this, I want to remind